I know it's a little too early to say that I already have a favorite movie so far of 2023, but I do. <laughs> I mean, since I have only seen one movie in 2023, I also have a favorite for 2023 so far. Very good. So we both have a favorite. Indeed. Welcome to Under the Bridge, everybody. Welcome to Under the Bridge. I'm Cody, a.k.a. The Scarlet Troll. And I am Greg, a.k.a. Greg. Sure are. New Year, same old us. Indeed. And with that, with the same old us, one of the favorite things that always likes being talked about when it comes to us are celebrity deaths. Love them. I love them to, de- to bits. And in this did you almost say love them to death? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> I'm mad that you didn't. <laughs> no, I'm actually trying to keep it together a little bit because this week, unfortunately... There has been a celebrity death that hits very close to home for me, because last week after we recorded the previous episode of the podcast, news broke out almost immediately after we finished that rally car driver, multiple X Games medalist, and destroyer of tires, Ken Block, had passed away at the age of 55. And there was much rejoicing if you're a tire. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. If you're a set of Toyo or Pirelli tires, there was much rejoicing. But no, um, for the uninitiated, Ken Block is, was, it's going to get really hard to get used to that, a professional rally driver, co-founder of DC Shoes, creator of the Hoonigan brand and the subdivision Hoonigan Racing Division, a professional international rally team that Ken Block used to compete in like X Games, Rallycross, various forms of off-road racing, World Rally Championship, all kinds of fun stuff. If you're someone who has been around the internet for a number of years, then at some point, especially if you're a frequent user of YouTube, you've come across or been at least suggested the Gymkhana videos. And the Gymkhana series was and is a series of just the most completely insane stunt driving possible, where Ken, usually with the backing of a major manufacturer, Ford, Subaru, what have you, would more or less lock down half of entire cities and just go crazy doing all kinds of stunts. They're talking like massive drifts on city blocks, burnouts, donuts, jumps galore, high-speed passes that make anyone grimace and would make any reasonable person go, okay, this dude is trying to kill himself with the way he's driving. These are a series of videos that almost every time they came out, they were just major hits millions upon millions upon millions of views and one of the very few things because something about youtube in particular is that while the car portion of youtube is not objectively speaking not small it is extremely tiny compared to something like gaming or music or makeup or what have you and this was one of the very few things that it didn't matter what you're interested in or what you were into most people could find something really fun or just really insane to keep in their brain about these videos it's one of the few car things that kind of goes past the whole car borders and mentioning as well him co-founding hoonigan industries a media company that has been in my opinion one of the greatest things that ever happened to car culture just because it has done such a great job of taking different parts of car culture internet culture what have you and just meshing them all together i don't think it's any embellishment to say that without this man, his contributions, the relationships he's built and all that, cars as we know it, enthusiast cars in particular, and especially how cars are like seen on the internet, discussed on the internet, how like so many facets of car culture have come together because of the way things have changed in that regard over the last decade or so. A lot of that would be very different, and some of it I would say would be non-existent at all without Ken Block and his complete disregard for mechanical sympathy (laughs) man was 55 he was found dead at the scene of a snowmobile accident the sheriff's department who responds to the scene more or less figured that because it was a single accident that he died instantly in the crash so if there is any solace in it at least he didn't go painfully and he he went more or less doing the thing he loved just taking machines and going completely nuts with them so it's a big loss for the car community overall. It's a big loss for, well, me in particular, not just as a car person, as a fan of racing, and 
someone who you know likes to see the good in everything. So a toast of sorts, even though I have no drinks next to me whatsoever, to Ken Block, you will sorely be missed. And the car community internationally will not be the same without your presence. Later I will make toast in your honor. I appreciate that. By which I mean toasted bread. <laughs> All the starches. <laughs> yeah. A toast. A toast indeed. So, moving into the realm of movies and other such mm. things. Mm-hmm. Francis Ford Coppola has been working on a science fiction drama film called Megalopolis. Okay. He wrote it, and he is directing and producing it, and also, apparently, was financing it himself. Hmm. Oh. Which cost $120 million. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's a bit pricey. (laughs) And it's especially unfortunate because now, halfway through the shoot, it is now unclear whether the production can go forward. Oh, no. (laughs) Why? What's going on there? The film has no art department, apparently. How do you have a film with... How do you have any film without an art department? Well... (laughs) According to this Hollywood Reporter article... Oh, this is getting worse by the second, isn't it? (laughs) On December 9th, Coppola fired his entire visual effects team. (laughs) Why? No no reason was given. I won't say for no reason, because there was probably a reason. I would hope so. <laughs> and then also the production designer and supervising art director also departed. <laughs> Did they find the- Oh, no, I'm not going to make the joke that just came to my head. <laughs> I don't think we're in the little bit before YouTube gets mad and set- and if we don't set some things bit. So I'm not going to make the joke that just came to my head. <laughs> no, you know, I think you're good to go for it. Oh, okay, because there's going to be something along the lines of, did they find out that the art department was taking rounds with his wife or something like that? Jesus! (laughs) I told you! (laughs) There's nothing in there to, there's no obscenity in there to bleep, that's just, holy shit, man. (laughs) That's why I said, it's like, maybe I shouldn't make that joke. (laughs) Coppola's 83. (laughs) It doesn't mean it's not possible. Um... (laughs) For fuck's sake. <laughs> That's something I'd expect from me. <laughs> Very good. I'm learning, I think. <laughs> wow. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's the situation. Even crazier, this film has a huge cast. Really? Is it like an ensemble cast type of situation? Yes, 100%. We got Adam Driver. We got Forrest Whitaker. We got John Voight, we got Lawrence Fishburne, Aubrey Plaza, actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. (laughs) That's, that's very expensive. Dustin Hoffman. That's a lot of expensive people. Right? And now, who knows what's gonna happen in this movie. (laughs) Okay, that, that is, that is not encouraging. Not in the slightest. Nope. Oh, and also, I'm I'm never going to be able to figure this out, and there's no reason why I can't figure out how to pronounce this actress's name. Nathalie Emmanuel? Oh, okay. There's an H where I don't expect an H, and I'm an idiot, so... (laughs) Yeah, she was the main character in The Invitation. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, I knew I recognized that name from somewhere. Oh, right. (laughs) Also, apparently the movie also doesn't have a distributor yet. When is this movie supposed to come out? No clue. Okay. Maybe never now. Yeah, at this point, I'd be shocked if it does. That's that's development hell incarnate. Am I, pronoun- I don't even know if I'm pronouncing Coppola right. Could be Coppola. Mm. It's probably Coppola. <laughs> like I said, New Year, same old me. Still can't pronounce people's names. Uh, I gotta tell you, he's copping all these personnel losses. Half the time I'm lucky I can pronounce Greg right. <laughs> Fair. Oh, man. Mm. We also got a feature directorial debut for Michael Cicchino. Okay. He's remaking the movie Them for Warner Brothers. Huh. No relation to us. I didn't think so. It's about giant ants. I want to say I saw this movie. A movie about giant ants. It sounds vaguely familiar. I mean, it was from the 50s, so it's an old movie. So the odds that you might have seen it at some point are pretty high. Yeah, looking it up right now, I feel like I watched this as a kid. Which tracks because I remember not liking Ants in the Slightest as a kid. (laughs) 
I wonder if this one's also going to be black and white. Because, mm. I mean, he made Werewolf by Night, which is mostly black and white. Look how that turned out. Fair, yeah, yeah. Fabulously! It would definitely be a cool artistic decision to keep that going. Genuinely, that is... The only reason it's not up there in my favorite movies is that it's not a movie. <laughs> okay. But if you put it and the Guardians holiday special together and called that one holiday Marvel movie, that would be my favorite movie of 2022. Th that tracks, that does track. God, Werewolf by Night was just aggressively me. It, it was a good time. And it was a movie that, as I'm watching, it's like, yeah, this is what Cody would do if he worked for Marvel and had an unlimited budget. <laughs> or even a limited budget and had to get creative. Mm. But let's be honest, I never would have thought of that. Fair, I guess. That's the kind of thing that I would think of, maybe, and then never have the balls to say. <laughs> But that's giving myself too much credit anyway. It's like, hey guys, I got this zany- No. No, it's a good idea, I promise. It's like, okay, fine. <laughs> we'll give it a shot. <laughs> He's also composing, so... Mm. Also means some good music. <laughs> yeah, he definitely makes excellent music, that's for sure. So I'm looking forward to that. Can't wait to see that whenever it comes out. Mm. Because, ah. Giant ants, Michael Giacchino, what more do you need? <laughs> Right. Let's move into more DC stuff. Mm-hmm. There was a rumor making the rounds, and you know me. Usually I don't like to talk rumors unless they've been confirmed or denied officially. And James Gunn makes it real easy. <laughs> a report by Variety said that DC bosses Gunn and Saffron will soon reveal their three-year interconnected vision, which won't include Cable, Superman, or Wonder Woman at all. Someone on Twitter responded with, James Gunn, please debunk this one, and he replied, I hereby debunk it only because it's not true. Okay, fair. Uh, it's gonna be like, it's actually a four-year plan. <laughs> well, he later reminded everybody that their slate, only some of which they're revealing this month, is going to hopefully span eight to ten years. So it could be no Wonder Woman for eight to ten years. Hmm. I don't think that's what it means, though. I think it means there is a Wonder Woman plan, maybe not with Gal Gadot, who knows. Hmm. But most likely there is a plan. I mean, I would hope so. And while we're on that subject, uh, Mr. Gunn, if perchance you're listening to this, which I know you're not, but if you were, hear me out on this one. <laughs> Lex Luthor versus Wonder Woman. Okay. And uh, Hold on. I don't mean Jesse Eisenberg, obviously. I mean a <laughs> good, well-realized Lex Luthor. Because, here's what I'm thinking, right? Lex Luthor is kind of like Doctor Doom. <laughs> He's one of the big cornerstones of the universe in terms of villains who can theoretically square up to anybody. Not just mm -hmm. Superman, even though he's a Superman archenemy. <laughs> so what you do is, Luthor is the perfect representation of petty, selfish mankind squandering its own potential over stupid bullshit. Right. And he has maybe not quite as much reason to hate Wonder Woman as Superman, but especially if you stick with the demigod origin, he should hate her almost about as much in terms of being handed powers that other people can never achieve even if they worked all their lives for. Right. So that gives them a reason for enmity and opens up some really interesting doors. And also, I think it would really help sell Luthor's cred as a smart guy to have him fight the member of the Trinity who has superpowers but no obvious weakness and it would be more visually engaging than the inevitable, Ah, no, but you see, it is I who is out gambling <laughs> you! That would happen if he and Batman fought, because that would just be fucking tedious. It would be very tedious indeed. Make a hell of a comic, though. Oh, yes. Just couldn't make it work in a movie. Is that a reference to an actual comic, by the way? <laughs> I don't know, probably. Uh, fair. Look, Batman's been around for, what, 80 years now? If you look far back enough... Something. Something yeah. exists. Indeed. Actually, has Batman been around that long? I feel like it's been around... It's been at least 70. Yeah, okay, it's been 80 at least. Mm-hmm. Very good. Anyways, that was Wonder Woman news that spiraled off into a Wonder Woman pitch. <laughs> but hey, you gotta get in there. You gotta shoot your shot. Much yeah. like Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we now have... A new report by Variety, which, who knows, who knows anymore? Between James Gunn debunking shit left and right, the trades aren't even the trades anymore. Who knows what's right, what's wrong, what's real and what's fake. Do I exist? Do any of us? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get so existential there. 
I was going to get a save with yes, at least a little bit. <laughs> All right. So, apparently what happened was, during the big old power vacuum, Dwayne ended up pitching his plans, his multi-year plan for Black Adam leading to a Superman versus Black Adam fight, directly to David Zaslav, bypassing literally everybody else. Oh, boy. <laughs> yep. Mm. And on top of that, he pushed for a producing credit on DC League of Super Pets, and then barely did anything to promote it, mm. and also insisted on a tequila bar at the New York premiere of Black Adam, featuring his own brand, Terramana, even though the film is rated PG-13. I feel like that is one of the most insanely specific requests about anything in Hollywood that I have ever heard. <laughs> oh, it's not even close. For, okay, fair. But for me, it's it for me because of how little I look into that type of stuff. It's definitely up there. It's like, yeah, this movie premiere. I need a tequila bar. This movie's PG thirteen, Dwayne. It's like tequila bar. <laughs> well, it was to promote his own brand of it. So my brand. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. As one insider noted, his demands increased and the returns just weren't there. Mm. <laughs> Tequila bar. I'm sorry, that's really funny to me for, for no, no particular funny, reason. Because <laughs> it's tone deaf. It's dumb and it's tone deaf. And the thing is, is that I do actually enjoy The Rock, but I can actually imagine that conversation in my head with his voice. <laughs> Oh god, now so can I. I didn't even yeah. think about it that way. <laughs> it's like, oh, so for this premiere, we need... And he's doing it shirtless in the gym, too. Yes! <laughs> what with his energy drink next to him as well. <laughs> I'm sorry about this tangent, but now my brain is just going places Who's the guy this. I'm supposed to fight against? Well, his name is... It doesn't matter what his name is! <laughs> just get me my energy drink ad. In my tequila bar, and everything will be smooth. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we, let's keep going. My brain could go on this tangent for forever. <laughs> yeah, all right. I got a couple little bits of uh, Marvel news. Mm -hmm. Do you want who's coming back for something first, or who's not coming back for something first? Who's coming back for something first? Deborah Jo Rupp is coming back for Agatha Coven of Chaos. Okay. She was Mrs. Hart in the first episode. That was... And the mom from that 90, or that 70s show. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hmm, alright. That's the one. No details have been revealed about what she's doing in the show. Or for how long she's gonna be in it. But it would make sense considering where WandaVision left Agatha in the middle of Westview. Hmm. Which yet another bad idea from Wanda. <laughs> Wanda? Making bad ideas with little forethought? No. <laughs> yeah, it couldn't be. Mm. Has to be somebody else. It has to. <laughs> so that's fun. There's rumors and rumblings and what have you that the show has been delayed and some other stuff has been delayed, but like I said, not my job to break the news, just my job to react to it. It's not even my job. Nobody pays me. <laughs> I do this for the sport. For the soul of it all. Yeah, I do it because I love movies. <laughs> and movies love you back. <laughs> no, they don't. But I also know that certain things interest me more than others. Fair. Which is why my scope is usually very narrowly focused. And when I don't, you get something about a Paramount lawsuit that ends up getting cut from the episode anyway. Because as it turns out, I was not equipped to talk about it. <laughs> I don't think either of us were, to be fair. Uh, Fun little, fun little inside joke just between the two of us, because nobody else will hear that. Yes. In sad news, Nicolas Cage will not be reprising his role as Spider-Man Noir for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. That's genuinely very disappointing, because he was, for me at least, one of my favorite parts of the movie. He likes drinking egg creams and fighting Nazis! <laughs> What's not to love? How could you not like someone who's into that? <laughs> Yeah, specifically, mm. talking with Screen Rant, they asked, what are the chances we'll see Spider-Man Noir and you'll reprise that role one more time? And his response was, you'd have to ask Sony. I don't know what's going on with that. No one's spoken to me about that. Ask them. I don't know. I really don't. I wish they would. I love Spider-Man Noir, too. I think that's a great character. Spider-Man's the coolest superhero, and then you combine that with Cagney and Bogart and Ever G. Robinson? Come on, it's a great character. Pardon the terrible Nicolas Cage... Not even impression, but attempt at similar inflection. 
I, I was getting ready to ask you about that, actually. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just kind of lapsed into it, and by the time I realized what I was doing, it was too late to stop. <laughs> Fair. Man, that really is disappointing. He was legitimately like one of my favorite parts of the movie, just because I had read bits and pieces about Spider-Man Noir, so when he was announced for the first movie, he was like, really? I don't see that working. And it's like, all right, Cage is killing it with this. This is really good. That's a pretty hardcore origin story. <laughs> one of my favorite lines in the movie, just because of who it's coming from. <laughs> Sometimes I'll light a match and let it burn to my fingertips just to feel something. Anything. Yeah. <laughs> Where I go, the wind follows, and the wind smells like rain. I love you all, and also I'm keeping this. I don't understand it yet, but I will. Indeed. <laughs> it's a Rubik's Cube. <laughs> God. Anyways, I I get him not coming back. I do because the thing is, obviously they want to expand the Spider Verse, blow it wide open, focus on a bunch of other things. And not only does that mean you don't have as much time to devote to Noir, presumably you'd have to pay Nicolas Cage a lot just to get him to come back. Right. But it still stings. Yeah, it's. God damn it! Does this mean Spider Ham's not back? Oh no! <laughs> Spider-Ham better be back! You don't fucking understand! <laughs> not just because he's a funny motherfucker, and not just because I love the idea of an actual cartoon character walking around in this cartoon movie, but because the fact that that movie managed to have the funniest actual Looney Tune of a man deliver the most heartbreaking, heart-wrenching, tragic line in the whole fucking thing is nothing short of magic. <laughs> when he said the hardest part of the job is you can't always save everybody, I cry every damn time because of a cartoon pig! <laughs> they did that on purpose, too. They were like, okay, what's actually something that's like really good and really poignant that we can use to fuck with this person in particular? Spider-Ham. Spider-Ham. <laughs> oh, man. Anyways, that's a little disappointing bit of thing, but whatever. Mm -hmm. Trailer time? Trailer time. Alright, where do we want to start? Because we got three. Because the Ant-Man trailer hasn't dropped yet. <laughs> and probably won't until we're done recording, which means we're not covering it this week. But oh well. Eh, what can you do? Be mad at football. Be mad at football. I will say the plane trailer annoyed me the most, because even though it is a 60-second trailer... 40 seconds of it does have, like, this high-pitched squeal in it that actually pissed me off at a certain point. I'm like, why? Why is this happening? <laughs> okay, can I can I share something with you? Sure. I barely paid any attention to the plane trailer, and here's why. <laughs> yes. When they showed the, on January 13th, seatbelt sign thing, <laughs> my first thought was, oh, you know what? <laughs> That's actually pretty cool. And I was busy admiring that until <laughs> Stay Calm popped up and the same thing. I'm like, oh, they're going to keep doing it. Oh, that's that's less cool. And then when the Try to Survive bit came on, all I could think was, actually thinking about it, this doesn't work as well as I thought. Because does that mean seatbelts on January 13th? Does that mean January 13th is the only time to wear seatbelts? <laughs> Seatbelts off January 12th? Does that mean seatbelt stay calm? Seatbelt try to survive? Is that what this means? Part of the reason why I'm laughing at that is because when that whole like seatbelt on January thing popped up, I did actually see out loud, fuck off trailer. <laughs> they bamboozled me. I thought they did something smart at first. Yeah, so you got a lot more mileage out of that than I did. <laughs> I did. I was... I, I did not expect that to hit me. <laughs> That's a tangent I would have expected from me, in all honesty. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll see. We might end up watching... I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen next week, but... I, I mean... It, it's an option. It is an option, indeed. We'll cover that near the end of the show, though. Mm. You got anything else for the for the 60-minute plane trailer? Not really. It's just mostly... 60 minute, what is wrong with me? 
tick, 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 tick. I mean, not really, because it's mostly just regurgitation of scenes that we've already seen in the... There's only been one other trailer besides this one, right? Yeah. It's mostly just more scenes of the same thing. I will say the bit at the end where it's like, oh, don't worry, folks, these things are pretty much indestructible. It's like, okay, I know that's the thing pilots tell their passengers to keep them calm, but that is so massively factually incorrect that I was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> Virtually indestructible. Yeah, and it's like, there is literally a hundred plus years of that being proven wrong. <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna make the joke that I was gonna make, but... No, like, for, for, for those who wonder, objectively speaking, in terms of statistics and anything, traveling through air is... Actually, like, probably the safest form of transportation that we currently have by a country mile. But that was still a line where it's just like, no, that's, that's, anyone who's gone past 10th grade history knows that that's a fucking lie. <laughs> yeah. So that was a dumb trailer. It was a very dumb trailer. But it got me for a second. Hmm. <laughs> got me for a second. We got a trailer for Evil Dead Rise. I. I, I I have such... I don't know really what to make of this trailer, other than deeply uncomfortable. Movie is very quality, but what kind of weirded me out is that um, for a lot of horror trailers that I've seen, I've always noticed that there is... Usually the mix is 90% horror suspense trying to freak out people, and then 10% a little bit of less seriousness. This one was a one where it felt like that ratio was more 50-50, but it still did a good job of keeping the tense and the suspense going for long enough. So even in the scenes where it's being a little less serious, it's still really freaky. Like so, the, you're, you'd be a good mom because you know how to lie to kids. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, that's funny, but they're all going to die. Yeah. And then when the beard is doing the whole eeny, meeny, miny. It's, <laughs> it's, it's like, still tense, even though it's inherently goofy. Yeah, it's like, this is kind of funny, but this is still genuinely terrifying. <laughs> yeah, Welcome to the Evil Dead. I'll have to show it to you at some point. Yeah, there's like, what, four of these movies? Uh, I forget. I've only seen the first one. Yeah, I, I, it's the, the series as a whole has been on my watch list for a while. Well, we'll have to fix that. Hmm. Anyway, you lucked out. You only saw the Green Band trailer <laughs> in front of Megan. I watched the Red Band trailer before I realized it was the Red Band trailer, and let me tell you, worse. Really? By which I mean, I still want to see it, but it's so much more uncomfortable. <laughs> okay. Somebody gets their scalp hacked off, apparently. Oh. Somebody gets a cheese grater taken in their leg. Oh. And you don't see the worst of it, but you see the scalp after it's been ripped off. You see the cheese grater just land on someone's leg, and you know what's coming. And it, it, it's a beautiful thing of your mind filling in the blanks and going, Oh, that's gonna be awful! <sighs> a lot more focus on the frying pan full of eggs that also has blood in it. Okay, so that actually makes a lot more sense. <laughs> The whole, like, frying pan thing in the Green Band trailer, I was like, okay, is there symbolism or something that I'm missing here? Because, like, I guess if there was blood, I just completely missed it in the Green Band trailer. It was but... a lot easier to miss. Okay. The Red Band trailer has an extended focus on it where she goes into a whole monologue. Hmm. Okay, That's, that makes a lot more sense in that particular scene. It does. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this, but genuinely, I'm not actually sure I'm going to be able to watch it. <laughs> I don't think this is what I'm going to go see, even though it does look to be very high quality. That's fair. I'm curious to see where this fits in, if this is supposed to be a straight-up reboot, or if it's some kind of prequel or sequel or something, because Bruce Campbell is not in this one. Hmm. He's a producer, but he's not in it. I mean, I kind of got the vibes that this is supposed to be like some kind of reboot, personally. True. And fair. And then we also finally got a trailer for one of my most anticipated movies of 2023, Renfield. So, I'm going to be honest, I completely forgot about this movie. <laughs> I could tell. Um, because... I was just sitting there waiting. <laughs> I was like, ah, yes, he hasn't clued in yet. Yeah, Wait until Nick Cage shows up. <laughs> because it's the thing, like, I, I had heard all the things about Nick Cage being Dracula, 
but it was also one of those things like, oh, okay, yeah, that sounds like something he would do. I was not ready <laughs> for Nick Cage just to be suspended in the air as Dracula. I'm just like, I beg your fucking pardon. And it's like, <laughs> oh, oh, this is that movie. Oh, I still beg your fucking pardon, but that makes a lot more sense now. <laughs> and what happens if you stop focusing on his needs? He won't grow to full power? Yes! <laughs> Weird that you would say it that way, but yes! Yeah. <laughs> this looks like a very good time. I actually really want to see this. <laughs> Same. I, ah. Uh... Honestly, I was kind of afraid that it was going to stop being an anticipated movie for me once we got a trailer. Not mm. so. <laughs> the fact that Renfield's got his own level of superpowers and he can chop a guy's arm off with a decorative serving tray. Did, did I just see you like cut a man's arm off with a decorative serving tray? It's all on the yeah. wrist. <laughs> Boy, wouldn't that be a wonderful defense for an actual situation like that? <laughs> Everybody in his support group is gonna die. Oh, very much so. They're all done for. Phenomenal. I can't wait. This looks like a riot. This looks like a really good time. <laughs> it honestly looks like one of those things where... I don't want to say like Megan necessarily, because Megan played itself up a little more horror and a little less comedy. Mm -hmm. But I feel like it's going to be the same basic vibe, where this is probably not going to be a good movie. <laughs> but it's going to be a really fucking entertaining movie. Yeah, it's going to be very fun to like actually watch it. And that, I believe, wraps up trailer time. Mm-hmm. So let's talk box office. Oh boy. First place to nobody's surprise, probably Avatar Way of Water, number one, yet again. Mm. It is sitting at $45.8 million domestically this weekend for a $517.6 million domestic total and $1.71 billion worldwide. Per James Cameron, it is approaching profitability and they have gotten the green light to go ahead with the sequels. Which, I should certainly hope, considering 3 is apparently in the can and just being worked on. I'm sorry, the movie has made $1.7 billion and it's only now approaching a profit margin. According to James Cameron. That is insane. I still think maybe it's the approaching the point where it's worth it to make more. That would make more sense. That would be insane, where it's like, yeah, we just made $1.7 billion, and now and now we're actually making some money on top. It's like, guys, what the hell? <laughs> right? Second place, actually not distant second. Okay. At least relative to the other things on here. Mm -hmm. And previous weekends. Second place was Megan. Oh, really? Took in $30.4 million domestically for $30.4 million domestic total. Worldwide, it is sitting at $45.3 million. If I understand right, that's a really good opening weekend for any movie. Eh, not so much. Most superhero movies would see that and cry, but... Oh, fair. Well, I guess Megan for what had Megan a $12 is. million dollar budget, so that means it's already turning a profit, most likely. Oh, okay, they're, so they're doing good. <laughs> yeah, so that's great to see. Hmm. Third place, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, $13.5 million domestically this weekend for an $88.1 million domestic total, and about $200 million worldwide. Uh, turns out I was wrong and stupid when I said that the budget was $130 million. That was the first Puss in Boots. Oh, okay. This one's budget was $90 million, which means it's already making some money. Okay, cool. What a difference $40 million can make. This <laughs> is for real. I say, and then shudder in realization. I was getting ready to say, um, said the um, accountants for Puss in Boots. <laughs> yep. Fourth place, we got A Man Called Otto, which made $4.2 domestically and in total for a $12.6 million worldwide total. That is against a $50 million budget, but bear in mind this was a limited release opening for it, and it mm. is set to expand. So... Okay. We're probably seeing a bigger second weekend, because that'll be its opening rele wide release opening. Okay. And then in fifth place, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Oh, still holding on, I see. $3.5 million domestic weekend for a $445.5 million domestic total and $831.2 million worldwide. Mm. So Avatar is still sitting at the top, but some things are catching up to it. Well, that's good. And it honestly wouldn't surprise me if... 
okay, Ant-Man almost certainly is gonna knock it off the number one spot. If it doesn't, Ant-Man's in a bad way. Right. But it's nice to see that Megan is keeping up, and actually, mm. I say, I say it's a close second, even though Avatar made about one and a half times as much this weekend as Megan did, but still, compared to everything else, that's close. I would say it's close considering what Avatar is. Yeah. And what Megan is. Yes. Yes, indeed. $12 million budget. That's actually a lot lower than I expected. Which, hey, you know what? Let's get into Megan. <laughs> that came out wrong. <laughs> Let us talk about Megan. <laughs> <laughs> See, my brain was get my brain registered, and I was just like, "Ah!" Uh, and then you said, "It's like okay, cool." <laughs> Shut your cake hole. Huh? I'm sorry. I shouldn't laugh at that. <laughs> no, it was funny. I'm very tired. Oh, uh, let's let's talk about Megan. <laughs> yeah, let's. Mm. <laughs> this was not really a good movie. <laughs> But I had a really great time. <laughs> it was a really good time overall. I'm going to let you try to talk about it without spoiling, because I don't think I can. Alright, the main character, Gemma, is a bad parent. <laughs> she is genuinely insufferable. <laughs> and her decisions get people killed. <laughs> and that's the basic summary. Yeah, that, that that is more or less the rundown of the movie, which I feel like that all of that is implied very decently in the trailer, so good so, job. No spoilers there. No, she's, you know, okay, so I, I, I'm going to say some of the stuff early on doesn't count as spoilers because, you know, it's just setting the scene. I, I, if I may, the thing that absolutely set me on this woman should not be a parent, or rather should not be looking after her niece mm -hmm. was the first night that the niece is there she's trying to give her a comforting speech or something and you know it's not the fact that she's bad at that that I say makes her a bad person it's the fact that her clearly distraught emotionally unresponsive niece puts a glass of water on her nightstand and then she just and then Gemma proceeds to move it onto a coaster in the most Passive-aggressive display <laughs> of just self-centeredness. Like, who gives a fuck if there's a water ring on the fucking nightstand? This room is full of, what is that, exercise equipment that's still covered up? You've barely been in here. What do you give a fuck about the nightstand? Comfort like, your damn niece! Oh, Claire, you wouldn't believe it. My niece's parents just died, but she left a ring on the nightstand, so I have to replace that. <laughs> what the fuck was that? <laughs> That's It's such a small, tiny thing, but it set me off so bad. And she does worse things over the course of the movie, but that, that, that just infuriated me. It's very much one of those things, and it's actually kind of something I have to give the movie a little bit of credit for. I know this isn't really, like, unique or per se, but I do enjoy it when movies, or really anything, gives you, like, the tiny hint, but still lets you know everything you need to know about a particular character. Because when that happened, especially the way she was looking at the glass after Katie put it down, I was just like, oh... Oh, I'm gonna hate you in this movie, aren't I? <laughs> she put spyware in kids' toys. <laughs> Y'all thought I didn't catch it. <laughs> well, it wasn't that I thought you didn't catch it. It was that I'm glad you wrote it down. Because it was, it was very much one of those things where when they were explaining some of the stuff in toys, I'm like, no. <laughs> Yeah, Bad. she's been using she's been using the data from their perpetual pets or whatever they're called per 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 pets. I don't, I don't remember. The the whole marketing team for this toy company is fucking depraved. <laughs> oh wait, they open with wait, wait. oh your dog died. Get a perpetual pet. It'll live longer than you. And there's an, a jaunty upbeat thing about it. It's just like, no. <laughs> I actually was going to try and stop you from mentioning that, because I was like, wait, I really want to talk about that, but I feel like that goes into spoiler territory, even though it happens literally in the first two no, minutes of the so movie. No, it's so early in the movie, I don't care. <laughs> That's fair. No, the best thing about that, besides how insanely fucked up it was, is that that whole commercial is done in the same tone and, like, style, and even lighting 
as like the toy commercials that we had in the early 2000s growing up to the point where I actually had to stop and rack my brain and be like, was this a real toy? <laughs> like, I, like, I feel like I've seen this commercial. And when it popped with the whole app thing, I was like, okay, thank God. <laughs> because so she she's using the data that they were getting from that, I guess, to work on how Megan gathers information in response to things. And it's just like, no, no, you fucking put spyware in kids' toys. You know how fucking invasive that is? <laughs> Fuck. Uh God, that so was... <laughs> she proceeds to use Katie, her niece, to fucking test drive her Megan toy because I guess the idea is, oh yeah, one toy that's all you need, and once you attach to it, like that's it, like you won't need any other toys. Do you understand how bad that is for your fucking business model? Uh, I think that's part of the $10,000 price tag to make up for that. <laughs> yeah, but it's still like, okay, say somebody buys it for $10,000, right? Mm. Then what? <laughs> what? It feels like, and then what is the just, and I, I'm, I'm shouting about it, but I'm, I'm very entertained by it, but god damn it. <laughs> Uh, the 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 kill a kill method of end game planning. <laughs> she is the patron saint of and then what? For real. Okay. What else is there to talk about? I guess in the non spoilery, or at least like not Let's completely see. spoiler, because it happens right away. I was very confused as to how old Katie was supposed to be for most of the movie until they said she was nine. Yeah, so was I. Because there's definitely little bits where I'm like, okay, she has to be eleven, and if she's eleven. These are not things an 11-year-old should be doing. <laughs> yeah, it's like, this is a very stunted preteen. Yeah. Even accounting for grief. And then I realize, <laughs> oh, she's nine. Shit. That makes a little more sense, but I'm also not buying it. Yeah, it's like, okay, so that's better. I would still say she's a little bit stunted, but that's better than... Because than, like I said, I thought she was 11 for most of it until they revealed her age. Everyone in this movie is a terrible person for different reasons. <laughs> All, all the adults kind of suck in this movie. Okay, except Megan's... Not Megan, except Gemma's team. Mm. Tess and David, I think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not David. The other one. I say, I thought his name was David as well. Cool, <laughs> that's it. David was the boss. David was John John from Shang-Chi. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> but, no, Tess and Cole are alright. Mm -hmm. They're actually decently smart. Except for ignoring the potential reasons to be paranoid of this fucking doll. And not stopping Gemma from well, being Gemma. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. When he said, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go get a coffee or something I just wrote and handed my resignation. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, this marketing team should be fired. This mar The marketing team in this movie is I, I, it feels like it's the marketing team is our group of friends, and that and then, scares me. <laughs> and then Gemma made that marketing pitch for Megan, and I realized, oh shit, is she the marketing team? Because <laughs> she nailed it. Mm-hmm. After this fucking Perpetua Pets bullshit. Yeah, it, at, at, especially at the very end of the marketing pitch, it's like, oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs> yeah, al almost every adult in this is terrible for different reasons. Gemma is terrible because... She she clearly doesn't care about her niece beyond her ego is telling her that she should be able to handle this surrogate parenting thing because the therapist is like, oh, your brother-in-law's parents are willing to take her. It's like, no, her, my sister left her to me. I'll, I'll do it. It's like, fuck you. You don't even want her. Yeah, it's like, just, just take the L and just like give her to, as horrible as this to say it like this, give her to people who actually give a shit about her. The therapist is terrible because even before it's made evident that that's what the problem is, she's just side-eyeing everything. Like, she just has that air of, I am judging everything you do unfavorably, even though some of your points are actually valid. Mm-hmm. Mm, I don't approve of the fact that you don't know what I want to observe between you guys, even though you have no kids of your own, and therefore, of course, you wouldn't know. Yeah. Or, oh... You won't let her. You won't let her play with your expensive collectibles. Fuck you. Yeah, the whole bit where she's like, "Oh, I want to observe you guys as you interact." It's like it's literally been like 
24 hours since she came here. There is none of that yet. <laughs> I like my niece. I'm not letting my niece touch the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah, like, I, I love I love my niece to bits, and I'm not letting her touch, well, most of my video games, but mostly just because she's only three and she doesn't need to see a lot of these. I don't even trust myself <laughs> with the Infinity Gauntlet. That's why it stays <laughs> on my shelf, where I can't right. reach it. <laughs> right. Without a stepladder. <laughs> Everybody's an asshole in this movie. The neighbor sucks. The neighbor sucks. The neighbor. But also, if that's Gemma's fence, yeah, why don't you fix your own damn fence? Which goes back into Gemma also sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's just a cycle of everybody sucks. The boss sucks because he's just he's just a fucking idiot. But he's a real one though too. <laughs> he's a real one, but he's also a fucking idiot. Put together a presentation that makes it sound like I know what I'm talking about. When he said that, I was like, you know what? He's at least relatively self-aware. So he gets some points for me there. You know what? The asshole boss is somehow one of the least asshole adults in this movie. <laughs> He's still a massive asshole. On the scale, he doesn't beat Gemma. He doesn't beat the neighbor. He doesn't beat Holly. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Holly. Fuck you, Holly. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that'll be funny later. Mm. So, all in all, like, okay, this movie is not especially scary. No, it's, it. if anything, it... It does too many things to build the suspense that end up taking away from the scary. <laughs> it is a better comedy than it is a horror movie. Yes. But I, I like it a lot. For me, I liked it a lot. I know that there were definitely bits where the movie was definitely intending to be funny, like mixing the funny and the seriousness. It's a very camp movie, but for me, this is definitely one of the funnier unintentionally funny movies I've seen. Like, There's definitely some intentionally funny stuff sprinkled throughout this movie. But for me personally, I think it got to a point where it's like, okay, I don't think this movie was trying to be as funny as it is, but for me, some of this shit is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of that goes to Megan herself, which I can't believe we barely talked about so far, but props to both Amy Donald, who portrays Megan physically, and Jenna Davis, who is the voice. Yeah, no, Megan is, I mean, you you would think so, given that the t movie is literally named after her, but Megan really is the star of this movie in almost every aspect. For better and for worse. And for definitely for better and for worse. No, I genuinely think they, they, they've they made a really good character here to the point where, you know, I, I'll get into it, I'll get into it later in the mm. spoiler section. But, right. yeah, no, so that was the relatively spoiler light section of Megan. You good to move into spoilers? Uh, Yeah. Okay, so if you don't want to get spoiled on Megan, go see it. Go see it. It's worth it. Yeah, it's worth it, 100%. It's a hell of a good time. <laughs> the fact that I hate the main protagonist so much, but I'm still recommending it, should tell you everything you need to know. <laughs> Especially for a comedy, or at least a very comedic movie, because usually that kind of shit mm -hmm. will turn me right off a movie. But in this case, go, go see it. Yes. So, with that being said, if you don't want to be spoiled... Make sure to tune out, because we're going to get the spoilers in a three, two, one. So, shit. <laughs> I was not expecting any musical numbers. <laughs> I was not ready for the, for the freaking android in an effort to comfort Katie to start singing Titanium. Me neither. And I think the best part about that was that the both of us were laughing, but so was half of the theater. <laughs> yeah, because it's fucking ridiculous. It was so stupid. And it's even better because all the exec all the toy executives are sitting there getting emotional, like actually crying, and we're all just sitting there like a bunch of assholes <laughs> laughing at it. Because it's fucking funny. It's so unexpected and out of nowhere and absurd that... In this movie about a killer fucking robot doll, the killer robot doll is singing Titanium to cheer up this nine-year-old about her dead parents. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, actually, like, kind of going with that, I feel like in this movie there's a lot of really ridiculous... Ridiculousness is, like, contained in small bits that just, like... At least for me, there was there were like at least two times where I had to tell myself, like, okay, Greg, we need to we need to like bring it back down. We need to stop chuckling. This happened like over sixty seconds ago. Yeah, two like, sorry, I shouldn't laugh. 
about a kid's ear getting ripped off. Ripped off. And like the details of his horrendous death. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, he was a prick, so who cares? Yeah, so... Brandon was a fucking prick. He was a fucking prick. And also this movie had an excellent use of the only one F-bomb in a PG-13 movie. Where was it? It was like when Brandon's mom is talking about him. Oh yeah, fuck you, Holly. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it was really good, Duffy, just because it was an excellent use of an F-bomb, but it really just, in like 10 seconds, perfectly establishes both Brandon as a character and his mother, Holly, as a character. Brandon is just a piece of shit. And Holly is a total pushover. And it's just like... (laughs) Private schools. Yeah. Okay, that is one of the best chef's kiss use of the fuck bomb rule in in, um, PG-13 movies. And then the the other thing that got me to lose my shit was the first sequence of, like, where Megan has been shut down and is being restrained. And the cameras just go crazy, zooming in on her as she gets, like, taped up and bubble wrapped. And I'm just like, I'm sorry. Did we just step into 2006? (laughs) It was because it was like, this is so silly. It's just, like, bubble wrapped, crazy-ass doll in the backseat. To that extent as well, also really good use of a quick jump scare with her um, bubble wrapped. When she falls over yeah, when Cole and Tess are talking about Megan, and she just falls over and freaks Cole out, I'm like, okay, no, that's a good jump scare. That's an yeah. excellent jump scare. <laughs> was it even really a jump scare, or was it just a thing that happened? I personally am going to put it in as a jump scare. Okay. But it's also one of those things where it does such a good job of being a thing that happens, because it's not like... It's a jump scare that's like very natural, because it is a thing like, yeah, it's not anything like ridiculous setup. It's literally... Gravity being itself, especially because at this point, the movie has more than established how completely batshit Megan is, because I believe at this point she's killed two people. Yeah, she's killed two people at this point. And a dog. And a dog. So the the dog was also kind of a prick. So fuck (laughs) him. And I don't say that lightly about dogs. Yeah, no. So it's like, okay, at this point. You you have every reason in the world to actually fear Megan. So I thought that was a great jump scare. I was also going to say this is probably one of the better movies I have seen where when it came to like the production and editing of the movie, the movie was cut down from R to PG-13. And I genuinely think it's improved because of that. Largely because some of the deaths that are shown, the deaths in this movie are still, like, really gnarly. Like, very gnarly by PG-13 standards. But it also does the thing of, even though you don't see a lot of the deaths explicitly on the screen, there's still plenty of details to where your brain just, without any issue whatsoever, fills in the details of what's going on. And it's really well done. I'll agree. The worst was when she, like, killed the one woman with the pressure washer. I was like, oh, 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 no. Yeah, that would have been a little too much if we'd had to watch it. Yeah, and it's also, like, because I could imagine it as just, like, at the moment, it's like, I cannot think of a worse way to get killed. Because that is long, excruciating, and extremely gory, if I had to guess. All right, that's that's a good use of that. <laughs> okay, so you know what? It's, you get more into how Gemma is a terrible not-parent. Yes, please. <laughs> And continuing on from the, why didn't you just fix your damn fence? Because <laughs> what happens is, Megan tries to retrieve an arrow from some, like, toy bow that Katie was playing with that ended up in the neighbor's yard just past the fence. And the dog ends up attacking Megan, and in trying to help Megan, Katie gets bit on the arm. And it just turns into, yeah, okay, you the neighbor should have their dog under control, absolutely. And yes, the dog is 100% jumped on your property before, but in this case, that's not what happened. Mm -hmm. And you could have just put something in front of the fucking fence. I think that was the point where I was like, no, actually, fix your goddamn fence, lady. (laughs) And then it gets worse, because then she fucking guilts Katie into going along with the presentation that's that's the next day. Mm -hmm. Despite being in a lot of pain and on antibiotics and shit. And then wonders why she's having a fucking breakdown. (laughs) well for me it was also a thing of the moment that established okay i don't think i'm just gonna i'm gonna like you at all through this movie was during the whole like marketing pitch thing for megan where at the very end she goes 
Megan can take care of your kids, so you can focus on what's important. It just shows her sitting down with an iPad working. I'm like, yeah, like no, the fuck? no. Let her go to Florida, damn it. Yeah, I have a feeling that this movie is at least in some ways trying to be a little bit of a commentary on how like parents just give their kids technology to placate them, so they can more or less ignore them. Placate, but, placate. Thank you. But it was that was still very much a scene where it's like, no, that is actually infuriating because of this specific character <laughs> that's why i have a note you literally foisted parenting off on your robot you were warned she was warned you were told yeah especially with the whole bonding thing which is actually like that the therapist talked about was like actually genuinely very fascinating because i don't know i imagine that's a very factual bit of information because the therapist talks about how you know when a child loses their primary caretaker or the person that they consider most important, i.e. Katie's parents, pretty much the next like living thing that gives them attention takes over that role subconsciously in their mind. And she goes, it's like, that's supposed to be you. And she, why am I blanking on this woman's name? Gemma. Gemma just kind of has a look on her face like, uh? <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh. like, yeah, she's fucking right. That's supposed to be you. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. That's what happens when you volunteer to take care of a kid. Mm. <laughs> For fuck's sake. Mm. And maybe we're being a little harsh, but like, the sheer antipathy when she puts that coaster down. <laughs> Let me tell you, it's palpable. No, it's... <laughs> I shouldn't I, I be this mad over a fucking coaster, but I am. It's not the coaster, it's what the coaster represents. <laughs> yeah, also, fuck you. <laughs> Though, I liked that Megan's plan was ultimately kind of stupid and there was really no way she was going to get away with it. Mm -hmm. Emphasizing that Megan herself is kind of a child, which she also calls Gemma out on, on basically, you left me to figure out all this shit, what did you think was going to happen? It's like, you left me, you put technology in me that even you barely understood. It's like, yes! Thank you. Someone says it. I would prefer it to not be said by the fucking murder-crazy robot, but it's still true. <laughs> Bruce is a good boy. Bruce is a good boy. I like Bruce a lot. <laughs> I hope he lives. Yes. No, wait, his face got ripped off. Oh, that's Damn. right. Yeah, never mind then. Also, the I don't know if this is just me, but the end sequence during the final like confrontation whatever really just took me for a ride. Because, spoiler alert, even though we're talking about spoilers, Megan eventually just says, fuck it, and is trying to kill Gemma. And Katie happens in upon the attempted murder, and Megan's trying to, like, convince Katie to let her kill Gemma. Not even kill, point, lobotomize. Kill, lobotomize. Functionally. functionally Paralyze permanently. At which point, Katie goes, there's actually a third member of the family, and pulls out Gemma's fucking Nintendo Power Gloves. It's so bad. <laughs> to activate Bruce. And it's just like, I'm just like, where did you find those? <laughs> yeah. And then, and, then, and then Megan tries to pull the singing shtick one more time at the end. That was amazing. Yeah, that was really great. And then Bruce just rips her in half. Mm -hmm. But for me, what also took me for a ride as well was after all of that destruction, Gemma and Katie just like look at each other lovingly as if like everything's going to be okay. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, what the fuck just Yeah, happened? okay, no, okay, no. First of all, first of all, you just inflicted a shitload more trauma on your niece. Yeah. Second of all, you're probably spending at least some time in jail while this shit gets sorted out. Yeah, because it's- I'm not uh, saying you're criminally liable. Because you built it on the company's dime, so the company is probably the one that's primarily liable, but you're fucking terminated. I would feel like that she feel like that she would at least be somewhat criminally liable, especially if it can be proven and based on the actions that took place in the movie, I think pretty decent chance of yes, that she installed technology that yeah, I don't really know how this works, but hey, what could possibly go wrong? Highly advanced self learning, self correcting insane no boingo spyware <laughs> you know what i feel like she's probably not liable for the death of her boss and his porn hubbing assistant but <laughs> his porn God, that was a good joke his porn hubbing stealing company secrets assistant thank you true yeah you, uh, thank you for the correction i feel like those two she's not liable for because that was that was done on company premises 
Right. Basically trying to troubleshoot Megan. But Brandon and Celia's death. Is it Celia? The old the older lady. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The neighbor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was Celia. Yeah. It, those deaths, I'm pretty sure, are on her, because that's her supervising Megan. Uh, it's still technically for work, I guess, but like, uh, but also, I feel like she's responsible as the creator and also the, the adult. So, like, she's probably spending at least a little bit of time in jail, and there's no way in hell she's gonna be able to keep Katie after that, so Katie's going to Florida. Yeah, it's... As, like, Katie and Gemma are walking out of the house with Gemma limping, it's like, yes, Kate, we see Katie lovingly helping her aunt into the back of a police car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, speaking of cars, you said you had multiple problems with the car theft? Yeah, because, so there's, like, a scene later on after Gemma kills, oh, God, what's the boss's name again? Why am I blanking? David? Why am I so bad at this? Yeah, after she kills, like, David and the assistant, she, like, a guy takes over a McLaren 765LT, or 675LT, which is a very high-end sports car, but it's like she, she like, somehow, like, self-activates the remote start and all this. It's like, okay, I know this is supposed to be the whole thing, like, she can control AI and whatever, but that is not how that fucking works. <laughs> you still need the actual key. Like, you need the key fob because the car literally is completely useless without it. It's just, it's the tiniest fucking thing. But it was one of those like car nerd moments that I was just like, no. And okay. then, and then she drives off without being able to reach anything. It's like, no, the car doesn't have any self driving. Ah, <laughs> it's very much just. It bothered me specifically. Mm. That's it. It was just one of those things. Where just like, ah, it's not how this car works. It's it's the thing of like how. When a car like just like lands on the ground bad and explodes immediately, how I always go, that's not how cars work, unless it's a yep. Ford Pinto. Um, <laughs> but that that's really all that there was to that. Oh god, what else was there in this movie? You I know like what surprises a... me that didn't make me mad? Mm. The blatant sequel hook at the end. Oh yeah, <laughs> I am so shocked. That should piss me off. It kind of it pissed me off a little bit because it was like no. No, and then it lights up of like, because <laughs> like, what are you gonna do with a sequel? There's no way that they're making more Megans after one killed a few people. I kind of figured it was gonna be. It was hinting at a thing that Megan has become so self aware and has learned so much, especially for all the information that she can pull, like just off the internet and whatnot, that she has been able to turn herself into a virus. Yeah, but the thing is, that's not a marketable character icon. No, no, for not, sequels. In, not so, in the slightest. Either, either she's back to being Megan in a sequel, but then you have to explain why there are more Megans, because, okay, say another toy company stole the designs, like, say the porn-hubbing assistant managed to get the designs <laughs> off to Hasbro or some shit, and they decide to make a bunch of knockoff Megans. Nobody is gonna want to buy these fucking toys after it gets out that she, one of them murdered four people. <laughs> And attempted murder on two more. Yeah. Uh, so, how? May, uh, oh, you know what? Maybe they'll be in a warehouse or something, and then she'll, like, get into the warehouse and take over all the Megans. Because mm-hmm. the only other alternative is the sequel will just become Smart House. And let me tell you, we don't need another Smart House. <laughs> Fair. I do not want another Smart House. Mm. One Smart House is enough. One Smart House is good, ladies and gentlemen. Bad enough they made Margot, which I didn't <laughs> see. <laughs> Beyond all the complaining that we just did, still want to very much reemphasize, this is a great, really fun, insanely campy horror movie. <laughs> oh yeah, I had a really good time with it. I was going to say, I think you wrote a note as well. I don't remember which scene it was after, but I think you wrote a note when we were losing our shit at something where you said, why are we like this? <laughs> yeah, that was, that, was, that was Megan singing to Katie the first time, and us losing our shit while all the... <laughs> All the people in the movie are really sad and broken up about it. <laughs> that was funny. That was very funny. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> this movie's a really good time. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Anyways, I think that about wraps us up. Yeah, I would say so. So, go see Megan. If Please you stuck do. around this long through this, definitely go see it. 
<laughs> Next week, it looks like our options currently are either House Party or Plane. Because I'm not seeing showtimes for A Man Called Otto yet. Mm. And Skinamarink is only showing at Citrus Park or whatever it is in Tampa. And I'm oh not my. driving that far. No, I wouldn't blame you for not wanting to drive that far. It's weird because I kind of want to see both of those movies, but one is one I want to see out of morbid curiosity, and one is I another is one I want to see out of morbid curiosity that I'm pretty sure I'll actually enjoy. Which one is the second one? A uh, house party. Fair. <laughs> yeah, push up the shove. Maybe we'll maybe we'll do another. You see one, I see the other. We'll figure it out. Right. In any case, thanks so much for listening, everybody. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, share it around. Do whatever you feel like doing. And, uh, we'll see where we go from here with next week. Indeed. In any case, this has been Under the Bridge with Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Troll. And with Greg, a.k.a. Greg. And bye. Bye Bye-bye.